This is the audio cast for Frontline's program Zero Tolerance, premiering October 22nd on PBS and online. Summer 2016. Thousands at the hangar there. The Trump rally just about to start. A rally for Donald Trump is about to share one is live over the Trump rally. You know, we'd be on the plane, he'd say, is tonight the night for the snake? Former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski. And we'd have kind of an internal discussion, which would last about 10 seconds. We'd either say yes or no. And he said, well, I'll put it in the pocket. If I want it, I'll take it out. Now, has anyone ever heard, has anyone ever heard the snake that I read every once in a while? I can do it if you'd like. Should I do it or not? Should I? Uh. And he used that analogy very much for the issue of immigration. On her way to work one morning, down the path along the lake, a tender-hearted woman saw a poor, half-frozen snake. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Sighed the broken snake. She wrapped him up all cozy in a curvature of silk and then laid him by the fireside with some honey and some milk. Now she stroked his pretty skin and then she kissed him and held him tight. But instead of saying thank you, that snake gave her a vicious bite. I saved you, I saved you, I saved you, cried that woman. And you've bit me heavens wide. You know your bite is poisonous. And now I'm going to die. The woman's answer is, well, why would you do this to me? And he said, well, I'm a snake, right? And so you brought me into your home, and it's hard to believe that you didn't know what I was. I'm a professional killer, right? Just because you brought me in doesn't mean I wasn't going to ultimately revert back to my basic form. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. Washington Post reporter Dan Balls. He tapped into something in a very profound way that, that began to redefine the debate uh, in the political year of 2016 and, and continues to redefine the, the politics of the country today. How Donald Trump came to use resentment over immigration as a political weapon is a central defining aspect of his presidency. At its heart, a plan by three unlikely outsiders to transform the Republican Party, make Trump president, and introduce a harsh new approach to immigration, zero tolerance.
Frontline is made possible by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. And by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Major support is provided by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. More information at macbound.org. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide at fordfoundation.org. Additional support is provided by the Abrams Foundation, committed to excellence in journalism. The Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The John and Helen Glessner Family Trust, supporting trustworthy journalism that informs and inspires. And by the Frontline Journalism Fund, with major support from John and Joanne Hagler, and additional support from Ku and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation. Tonight's program contains language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. America, the country makes history again, doubling down on hope. The story begins in 2012. Romney was the worst candidate. The aftermath of Mitt Romney's loss. Set off a soul searching by the Republican establishment. Well, some states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania were looking attractive in the closing days. But for a small group of hard right conservatives, the defeat was a call to arms. On what basis are you saying that? Yeah. He got his clock clean. Their unlikely headquarters was in this Capitol Hill townhouse. Former Breitbart spokesman Kurt Bardella. The Breitbart Embassy is really nothing more than a rented townhouse, and that is the center of operations for the organization known as Breitbart. The provocative hard right website Breitbart. Steve Bannon, political gadfly, filmmaker, and polemicist, was its leader. We called this place the embassy for the simple reason that we thought we were in an embassy in a foreign capital, that this was owned and run by the permanent political class. Bannon pushed Breitbart into what was known as smash-mouth coverage of Washington power politics. I said, let's attack the real enemy, and the real enemy is the Republican establishment. What we're going to do is just go after the House leadership, we're going to go after the Mitch McCalls, we're going to go after the donors. We're just going to go hard at kind of this Paul Ryan philosophy. Bannon and Breitbart figured they had a wedge issue that could help them take down the Republican establishment. Immigration. Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe. We spent a lot more time talking to the public than we spent talking to the elite. Breitbart's incendiary message boards proved the point. Illegals kill 12-plus people a day in this country. Torturous, murderous, rapists. This president calls them dreamers. Deport all of the illegal aliens. Immigration to Republican voters by a mile. It's the number one issue, even ahead of tax cuts. For the first time in years, it looks like an immigration reform deal. A may possible, possible deal on immigration reform is now... But the Republican slow. establishment was going completely the other way on immigration. Today, a bipartisan group of senators unveiled a plan... Now, Republicans and Democrats set to announce a major compromise surrounding immigration. They formed an alliance with Democrats to support immigration reform. Marco Rubio says, For me, immigration is not a new issue. It's a politically new issue, but in my life, I know it firsthand. Republican Marco Rubio took the lead as the face of bipartisan immigration reform. Former Obama advisor Cecilia Munoz. The political class was sure that immigration reform was going to be like falling off a log. My parents are immigrants. My grandparents were immigrants. My wife's family are immigrants. I live surrounded by immigrants. Everybody understood that 
there was an opening, a political opening, because Republicans were ready to come to the conversation. Even on Fox News, support for the softer immigration approach. There were very dark days. Ann Coulter. 100% Fox News was pedal to the metal to get this amnesty bill passed. Lou Dobbs. I want to give Rubio credit because he's talking intelligently uh, about a rational, Absolutely. effective, humane yes. response to the issue. We're going to work with our colleagues to get something responsible done that's fair, but also responsible. But I like your program. I think it's fair. Bill O'Reilly. So I want you and President Obama to get on the phone and, and get this thing so it doesn't turn into a bloody Maybe mess. Maybe we can come on the show together. Absolutely. <laughs> and you got and even people like Sean Hannity. Commentator Charlie Sykes. Went on the air and said, we need to rethink our position on immigration. I was wrong to take such a hard line on on immigration. Sean Hannity. You create a pathway for those people that are here. You don't say you got to go home. And that is in a, in a position that I've evolved on. Hannity even invited a well-known reality TV star onto his show. I think it's getting very tough to win as a Republican. Look, they've lost on immigration. They're going to have to do something on immigration because, you know, our country is a different place than it was 50 years ago. And so we'll see what happens. In the face of all that, Steve Bannon and Breitbart found themselves in the political wilderness. More Republicans are now changing their stand. Bannon decided to fight back. He invited two of his closest allies to the embassy for a war council. Stephen Miller and Jeff Sessions and myself had a dinner in this very room. Julie Hirschfeld Davis, New York Times. Bannon ordered from Dean and DeLuca steaks, and they drank a lot, and they ate a lot, and they talked long into the evening. Michael Shear, New York Times. And the three of them, these are sort of, at the time especially, people on the fringe of what you would consider the sort of Republican Party. Jonathan Blitzer, The New Yorker. I mean, Jeff Sessions, when he was in the Senate, was always on the outer fringes of the Republican Party never even entirely taken seriously, even by the hardliners within the Republican Party. Alex Marlowe, Breitbart. Sessions shop was the leaders, the intellectual backbone of the immigration fight. It came from Jeff Sessions' office, it came from Senator Sessions himself, and Miller at his right hand. 27-year-old Stephen Miller was Sessions' communications director. Robert Costa, Washington Post. You had a vocal press secretary in his 20s for a backbench senator from Alabama, as far from power as you could get in Washington at that time. The three outsiders shared a belief America was threatened by the flow of immigrants into the country. They were determined to do something about it. Julie Hirschfeld Davis. They were very ambitious and felt like if they could get the, the message right, that this might all fall into place. That night in 2013 at the Breitbart Embassy, they talked about how to politicize immigration. Steve Bannon. The one and two issues will be immigration and trade, and that will be focused on workers, right? And we're going to remake the Republican Party. Miller would handle the details of their grand design, a policy behind the politics, Fortress America. A world, according to Miller, would be a world of walls. Miller is a restrictionist. He wants to have restricted entry for legal immigration as well as illegal immigration. But in order to make it happen, they would first have to stop immigration reform and take down the GOP establishment. Michael Scheer. If you were sitting there that night, the audaciousness of what they were plotting was, uh, was astonishing, and you wouldn't have given them much chance of success. 
As the bipartisan bill passed the Senate and headed to the House, the insurgents had to act. Alex Marlowe. Miller knew how Washington worked and understands the way levers get pulled in Washington and how to push an agenda through that was an anti-establishment type agenda. Miller had an outlet, Bannon's Breitbart. It was a formidable alliance. Sessions, immigration bill will hammer Americans. Sessions comes out swinging against secret of house immigration push. Sessions, Breitbart doing great work getting truth out about immigration bill. Conservative immigration activist Mark Krikorian. They flooded the zone. I mean, there's a that's an essential thing to do if you're going to get movement, especially on an issue like immigration where all of the organized interest groups are on one side. Will immigration reform finally happen? The first time in years. With immigration front and center, the insurgents planned a show of force in the upcoming midterm elections. Author and journalist Joshua Green. What they decided they needed to do was to find an example of someone they could take down in the Republican establishment. And when they looked around, the guy that they thought was most vulnerable was Eric Cantor, the House Majority Leader. Majority Leader Cantor, one of the most powerful members of the Republican establishment, was being challenged in his primary by an unknown college professor. My name is Dave Bratt, and I'm a lifelong Republican and conservative. Polls showed Bratt more than 30 points behind Cantor, but Bannon saw opportunity. I, you definitely knew what's coming. I, it, it, that was also happened to be my home district, but I could feel it. I knew that that a guy like Brack, they were very weak. I will fight to stop amnesty for illegal immigrants. Following and Bannon's lead, Brat would use immigration against Cantor. Cantor, can you believe this guy? Can you believe Ryan? Breitbart swung behind Brat, hard. Eric Cantor, he's all in for amnesty. They set the agenda for right-wing radio. You're a coward, Eric Cantor. You only Eric Cantor, who wants amnesty. Paul Ryan, the Former White Trump advisor Sam Nunberg. Anything that became talking points on conservative radio were coming from Stephen and put on Breitbart. And you had a transformation where conservative radio hosts weren't clicking on Drudge Report on what to say. They were clicking on Breitbart. There's a story on Breitbart. Republican National Committee declares What are the Republicans getting out of Eric Cantor being House Majority Leader? I'm not sure. Then I want to pass the baton to Senator Jeff Sessions. The insurgents rolled out their big guns for Brat. Sessions. But that's worthy of Patrick Henry. And Steve Miller's ally. Eric Cantor is re-elected, heaven forbid. Talk radio celebrity Laura Ingram. there's a good chance we'll have amnesty by the end of the year. Eric Cantor is definitely in trouble in his district outside. Dave Brad here can get a big turnout. He's going he's gonna to make it. They've thrown right? everything they could at Cantor. Uh, Eric Cantor's district, let's send a real message. And on election night, the Republican establishment was in for a shock. History making upset House Majority Leader Eric Cantor this was a lost his shift. Cantor was defeated. All of the establishment figures. And we took him down. That We took down Cantor with Dave Brad. We took the first time in the history of the Republic that a sitting majority leader had ever been beaten. It is a stunning upset. All of them were broadsided by this victory of Dave Bradson. Former Breitbart editor Sebastian Gorka. Um, I think what, what is the phrase that uh, Steve Bannon always uses? The hobbits revolted. You know, the, the hobbits woke up in the Shire. People want a new Republican Party. With Republicans got the message. The bipartisan immigration bill was dead. I knew that night when I heard. Former Congressman Luis Gutierrez. I was talking to my Republican. They were basically, there's no reason for us to talk anymore. This is not going anywhere. 
House Majority Leader Eric Cantor's defeat is the end of immigration reform. Former Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli. Dave Bratt proved this issue moves votes. In terms of Republicans getting off the then popular immigration bills, it was no question it was a turning point on the immigration issue. The GOP infighting is escalating. Not only does Brad's victory confirm that it's also... Two of the insurgents' seemingly impossible goals had been accomplished. Cantor was out, and so was the immigration bill. Any hope of an immigration reform bill is dead. Now they would concentrate on finding a candidate for the presidency of the United States. It's been a legislative priority for decades. Bannon had been looking for years. We had had Palin in eight and hoped that she had run in 12. Well, I'm not a member of the permanent political establishment. You know, she, it just didn't work out. That is not our destiny. It's I actually worked with Lou Dobbs and tried to get Lou Dobbs to run in 12 as a populist. That on the previous policies, if they were I actually tried to talk Sessions into doing it. And Sessions goes, and he turns to me and goes, it's not me. I'm not going to do it. He says, but our guy will come along. We'll find our guy. And that guy, a couple of years later, turned out to be Donald Trump. The House Majority Leader has lost to his... In Manhattan, Donald Trump had watched the Cantor defeat. Now he believed immigration as an issue was a dragon slayer. Trump said he thinks Cantor's amazing loss can be traced to his stance on immigration policy. While Bannon and Breitbart educated Trump from the outside, Trump advisor Sam Nunberg worked from the inside. Joshua Green. Nunberg had realized that this issue of immigration has real salience with Republican voters. The problem they had was they couldn't get Trump to stay on topic. Famously short attention span. And so Sam Nunberg came up with this idea, essentially a mnemonic device, to keep Trump focused on the issue of immigration. So I said, well, why don't we say you're going to build a wall, because it's bigger. You're going to build a wall. And, like, and you'll get Mexico to pay for it. Trump took it on the road, testing out different now, versions of the line. We have to build a fence, and it's got to be a beauty. Who can build better than Trump? I build. It's what I do. He said it in Iowa that day, and the crowd went nuts. You can watch it. The crowd went nuts. If I run, I will tell you, the king of building buildings, the king of building walls, nobody can build them like Trump. That I can promise you. I can promise you that. He said to me, you know, when I'm talking about immigration, I feel it. Sam, this is a movement. This is a movement. They, they get it. They get it. He had found his issue. And now Donald Trump had an announcement to make. The key moment is coming down the escalator. And I'm sitting there watching. We have five people up at Trump Tower. We have Boyle leading an entire team. We got wall-to-wall -wall coverage. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. When he starts doing the over-the-top stuff, and I go, I said, you watch. They're going to bite hard, if, and they're going to bite hard and blow this up. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Oh, my God. I said, 
this is, I said, he just, he's just buried everything. They're going to go, not, CNN is literally going to broadcast 24 hours a day. Donald Trump's comment about Mexican immigrants has created controversy Donald nationwide. Donald Trump's comments have triggered outrage. Trump not backing down from his controversial, some say racist language. Media pundit Ann Coulter. I was waiting for Trump to take it back and say, oh, no, no, I didn't mean that Mexico is sending rapists. They're sending Rhodes Scholars. They're so much better than we are. And damned if he never took it back. So I had to say, okay, I'm for you. I'm for this guy. And which Republican candidate <clears throat> has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. <laughs> Bannon had his candidate, one who understood the politics of immigration. I said, this is our guy. He's a very imperfect instrument, but he's an armor-piercing shell. I tell the guys, he's going to go through this thing like a Sith through grass. The insurgents would throw their weight behind the candidate. Bannon would push the Trump message from Breitbart, and they gave him something else, an essential endorsement from a sitting United States senator. And I want to just introduce you to him for a sec, Senator Jeff Sessions. Certainly, if you're an unconventional outsider candidate like Donald Trump, Ken Cuccinelli. You actually do want some people who are part of the system. Wow, what a crowd this is! To validate your legitimacy. And that was Jeff Sessions' most important role in the success of President Trump. This time in American history, we need to make America great again. Also stepping out for Trump, another one of the insurgents. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the senior policy advisor for Mr. Trump, Mr. Steve Miller. How's everybody doing tonight? Julie Hirschfeld Davis. He was the one who would get up there before Trump uh, came in to speak and sort of rile up the crowd. Donald J. Trump is going to secure the border and he's going to build that wall. He would have this magic effect on the crowd. Julia Yaffe, GQ magazine. And the crowd is loving it. And I was like, who is that guy? And they said, oh, that's Stephen Miller. That's, that's, the, he, that's the one who brings the crazy. Are you ready to vote for a policy that puts Americans first? And are you ready, are you ready, Texas, to vote for Donald J. Trump? Miller got close to Trump. We will build a great wall along the side. Jotting ideas. Who's gonna pay for the wall? Keeping track of the musings. Who illegally crosses the border will be detained. Stoking the anger. He's gonna drive the cars over the illegal. Writing the fragments that became the speeches. Zero tolerance for criminal aliens. Zero. Zero. Polls were brutal for Donald Trump. Clinton leading in every single national poll that came But by mid-August, the campaign was in trouble. Shows that Clinton now has a double-digit lead over Trump. 46 Nationally, he's down by large margins in swing Trump states. is down in national polls. Then Bannon got a call from the candidate. Breaking news this morning, Donald Trump is changing his campaign. He's installing firebrand conservative Breitbart News boss, Stephen Bannon. He has a brand new campaign CEO, which is a new... Now, all three insurgents were at the epicenter with direct access to a candidate who would use their immigration message 
as a political weapon. Former Trump aide Cliff Sims. I remember riding on the campaign plane with Sessions, Stephen Miller, Steve Bannon, and they suddenly had this vessel in Donald Trump, and they were giddy. I mean, they were really excited. Like, this is our moment. This is our historical moment. Decision desk has called Pennsylvania for Donald Trump. And on election night, it all paid off. This means that Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States. Joshua Green. Trump's victory, after having run on this anti-immigrant message, had precisely the effect that Bannon and Sessions had hoped for three years earlier when they first sat in the Breitbart embassy. It elevated immigration to the forefront of the Republican Party. Fox News had also received the message. Now they were all in with Trump on immigration. Want to know what this election was about? Sean Hannity. Look at America's open borders. They're a mess, and they're not secure. Bill O'Reilly. A weak federal government has allowed immigration in America to become a national scandal. Laura Ingram. Uh, and he's going to move very quickly on the immigration priorities that helped get him elected. Fox News saw that the Republican Party had been changed by Donald Trump. Robert Costa, Washington Week. Immigration was the issue, and so Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity and others would hammer that night in, night out. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. Steve Bannon was put at the top of the food chain as Trump's chief strategist. Stephen Miller, senior advisor to the president, and Jeff Sessions was given one of the most powerful jobs in the cabinet, attorney general. McKay Coppins, The Atlantic. All of a sudden, they're three <laughs> of the most powerful people in the country. On the wall in his war room at the West Wing, Bannon created an immigration action plan. I said, all we have to do is flood the zone. Every day we hit them with three things, bang, bang, bang. These guys will never, will never be able to recover, but we gotta start with muzzle velocity. The muzzle velocity a series of harsh executive orders, commanding the government to build a wall, to detain, to deport, to prosecute. Julia Yaffe. This was Miller's tactic. You know, while you still have all that political wind at your back after winning an election, just, you know, hit him big, hit him hard. Opportunity for him to meet with his Secretary of Defense, James Mattis. Immediately, Trump caused outrage delivering part of what Bannon called their shock and awe approach. Protection of the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the United States. Big stuff. It was known as the travel ban, blocking entry to people from seven predominantly Muslim countries. A scene of outrage at JFK Airport in New York, where protests all across the country, a reaction from around the world. Now protests, outrage, and backlash from... And immediately, chaos ensues. There are protesters at the airports. Uh, people are getting detained left and right. Seattle police actually dispersed some crowds with... Watching the chaos on television, Republican Congressman Charlie Dent called White House staffer Ben Howard. I said, Ben, you know, uh, was this thing run by the Department of Defense? He said, well, no. Uh, how about state? No, no. Homeland Security? Well, eh, sort of. Justice? Uh. And I said, well, I said, well, so who did this? He said, Miller. And I said, well, who the hell's Miller? I didn't know who Stephen Miller was at that moment. I said, who's Miller? And he said, oh, I can't do it. 
At the White House, they knew who Stephen Miller was. And a faction there wanted to keep him as far away from the president as possible. Former Breitbart spokesman Kurt Bardella. You had the, the Bannon-Miller Sessions faction, and then you had the, the Gary Cohns, Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, Prince Priebus, and others. Steve Bannon. We had the two camps start to develop, the more establishment camp and more the kind of disruptors, populist, nationalist camp, and then everything eventually became a knife fight shortly thereafter. After the travel ban backlash, Bannon's stack of harsh executive orders was put on hold. His opponents in the West Wing were gaining ground with the president. Ann Coulter. Why he surrounded himself by people actively opposed to his agenda. Why he did that, who knows? Who knows? He has surrounded himself with people who disagree with him. Why did he hire his kids? Could be narcissism. They love me for me. Who knows? You're supposed to really push hard the first 100 days. What is going on? What are they waiting for? The things you elected Trump to do don't seem to be happening. Bannon and Miller wanted to make sure a tough stance on immigration stayed on the agenda. They would look up Pennsylvania Avenue to the Department of Justice, where Jeff Sessions was the boss. Jonathan Blitzer, The New Yorker. Jeff Sessions is the nerve center of the Trump administration's anti-immigration agenda. And Sessions wastes no time once he takes over at, at DOJ, pretty systematically retooling the asylum system. Julie Hirschfeld-Davis, New York Times. He's working on sanctuary cities. He's trying to figure out a way to starve cities of funding. And he's also working on what are basically the beginnings of the zero tolerance policy. The insurgents placed dozens of allies throughout the government. Many of them, Sessions' former Senate staffers. Carrie Johnson, NPR. Jeff Sessions and the people he hired to work with him inside the Justice Department knew how to work that system. They worked it early and often, and they used their power over immigration in ways we have not seen for a generation or more. They began checking off the boxes. What Sessions is doing simultaneously is he is starting to pull all of the relevant levers to make sure that there are no impediments to mass deportation. But Jeff Sessions had a big problem. This is an NBC News special report. Here's Lester Holt. Good afternoon from New York. We're coming on the air to bring you a news conference from... The Russia investigation, run by his own Justice Department, was encircling the Trump White House and the president himself. I have now decided to recuse myself from any existing or future investigations of any matter relating in any way to the campaigns for president of the United States. Thank you all. Take care. We're watching TV on Air Force One. Cliff Sims. And the president was very upset because he felt like he was being abandoned. And Trump is very angry, very frustrated, and Jeff Sessions and Donald Trump's relationship was never the same after that. It wasn't long before Trump confronted Sessions at the White House. Matt Apuzzo, New York Times. President Trump just berates Jeff Sessions. Sessions is humiliated. I mean, he's told people it's one of the low points of his professional career. I mean, he's just completely dressed down. The grand design was in peril. Sessions was preparing to resign. Steve Bannon reacted. I said, you were there from the beginning. I said, you rode shotgun with me the entire time. He goes, yep. I said, is there any doubt in your mind that this was divine providence that put us here, right? That this just didn't happen, that this, some, something's worked here, because he's a very imperfect instrument, but we're here. 
I said, and you're never going to quit. He says, I will never quit. I go, no matter how bad it gets, because I'll never quit. Sessions returned to the Justice Department to redouble his efforts on immigration. And called her. It was the only place, pretty much, that anything was being done on Trump's promises. So it was really fun to watch Trump humiliating Sessions every day on Twitter. <laughs> the one guy keeping your promises. <laughs> Trump has continued to rage against Sessions for his decision. Trump today lashing out on Twitter. At the DOJ, Sessions was quietly laying the groundwork for a big move. He wanted to roll back an Obama-era policy known as DACA, protections for undocumented immigrants who had come to America as children. Former DHS Secretary Jay Johnson. DACA is a recognition and a realization that when somebody comes here as a child, they're brought here not of their own choice, and we should recognize and acknowledge that and be compassionate toward those people. They were called dreamers, but to Sessions and his allies, DACA was an amnesty that sent the wrong message. One amnesty begets another amnesty. It begets more and more illegal. You are creating a magnet for more and more illegal aliens to pour in, as every country that's ever tried an amnesty has discovered and never done it again. Miller and Bannon needed the president to agree to end DACA. But at his first press conference, they realized they had a problem. Thank you very much. The DACA program for immigration, right. what is your plan? Do you plan to continue that program or to end it? We're going to show great heart. DACA is a very, very difficult subject for me, I will tell you. To me, it's one of the most difficult subjects I have because you have these incredible kids you know, I love these kids. I, I love kids. I have kids and grandkids. It became clear that he was really waffling on DACA. Julie Hirschfeld Davis. And Bannon was getting really worried that this was actually becoming a problem, that Trump was not moving quickly to end it, and he was actually seeming to be reluctant to do it at all. Bannon swung into action. He reached out to a rising star from the hard right, Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach. Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller wanted to see movement on the DACA issue, wanted to see it rescinded. Bannon says to him, you, you've got to have a way that we, can, that we can kind of force this issue on DACA. The idea was to box Trump in. Kobach would use 10 conservative state attorneys general. Steve Bannon. What Kobach and the attorney generals wanted to do was to get this up at the, at the right level. And I think that's why the Texas AG took the lead, wrote a very powerful letter. The letter was a threat legal action against the Trump administration if they didn't stop DACA. And so I think that was an important piece of the puzzle or an important shift in the landscape that helped uh, move the administration. All right, well, a major deadline for the Trump Justice Department looming early next that month. That is when Texas and nine other states plan to sue the administration. The letter worked. The Trump relented. Sessions delivered the news. Good morning. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. Yumi Shalcindor, PBS NewsHour. Jeff Sessions makes it pretty clear they will, in fact, be moving to possibly deport um, thousands of people who were brought to this country as young children and who know no other home but America. Thank you very much. It's a pretty devastating blow to about 800,000 dreamers. Protests erupting nationwide after the Trump administration. Major change in immigration policy announced today. And immediately, it's like a bomb goes off in Washington. McKay Coppins. Welcome here! 
What the president called a case of heart now sparking emotional protest all over the country. Can't go back home. They can't send me go uh, back home because this is my home. As the community prayed over them, some broke down in tears. They were all DACA recipients now filled with protesters storming major cities all across the country. Well, new protest tonight after the White House went ahead with ending... Decision impacting nearly 800... As the negative coverage hammered the president, he made a political calculation. He backed off. Does anybody really want to throw out good, educated, and accomplished young people who have jobs, some serving in the military? Really? To the insurgents, it seemed like they had lost the president. Yet another bombshell. Their enemies were on the rise. Controversial chief strategist forced out after a short... After seven months, Steve Bannon was out. How does Trump think he can get rid of Bannon? Wasn't Bannon the guy to get Trump... Over time... Sebastian Gorka. More and more Bushies arrived. So more and more people who were from, from the swamp, who had long resumes and uh, were plugged into positions of... of importance and uh, significance. In part and parcel, it's, it's the reason for why I left the White House. It may be the reason for why Steve left the White House when he did. President Trump holding a critical meeting today with lawmakers. Meetings over at the White House today. With the insurgents weakened, Trump improvised. They watched what they considered a mind-boggling event. Congressional leaders, including Democrats, were invited to make a deal that could protect the dreamers. Senator Dick Durbin. Here we are in the cabinet room, and I come in and notice, to my surprise, that my nameplate is right next to the president of the United States, to his right. Uh, I was not a close friend of this president. The president shocked the entire room when he allowed the cameras to stay for the meeting. So now we have the press giving live coverage for this meeting. I think we're going to come up with an answer. I hope we're going to come up with an answer for DACA, and then we go further than that later on down the road. Dick, perhaps you'd like to say a few words. There is a sense of urgency that's felt by many of us when it comes to this issue. A thousand a day will lose DACA protection. 900 of them are members of the U.S. military. 20,000 of them are school teachers. Lives are hanging in the balance of our getting the job done. I agree with that, Dick. I very much agree with that. And the president is referring to me as Dick all the time, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I guess I'm his friend at this point. On television, the president said he wanted to make a deal, have an agreement to save DACA. When this group comes back, hopefully with an agreement, this group and others from the Senate, from the House, comes back with an agreement, I'm signing it. I mean, I will be signing it. Robert Costa, Washington Post. Senator Feinstein almost can't believe it. Every Democrat sitting on the edge of their seat in that room wondering, is the president about to break from his own party and cut a deal? I'd like to ask the question, what about a clean DACA bill now and with a commitment that we go into a comprehensive immigration reform procedure? Uh, I have no problem. I, I think that's basically what Dick has said. We're going to come out with DACA. We're going to do DACA. And then we can start immediately on the phase two, which would be comprehensive. Would be agreeable yeah, I would like, I would like to do He starts to actually get way beyond where Julie Hirschfeld Davis, certainly Stephen Miller, but a lot of his advisors are on the substance of what the deal would look like. I'll take the heat. I don't care. I don't care. I'll take all the heat you want to give me. And I'll take the heat off both the Democrats and the Republicans. My whole life has been heat. <laughs> I like heat in a certain way. It was, uh, it was disconcerting. Mark Krikorian. Uh, and I did kind of have my head in my hands, but I've had that a lot 
in listening to the president. He is the kind of guy who, at least rhetorically, is, is going to be prone to just giving away the store, which is why even McCarthy, who's kind of a squish on all of these things, immediately piped up. Mr. President, you, you need to be clear, though. I, th I think what Senator Feinstein's asking here... Kevin McCarthy. When we talk about just DACA, we don't want to be back here two years later. You have to have security, as the secretary would tell you. But I think that's what she's saying. No, I think no, she's no, no, I think she's saying something different. To immigration hardliners, it was a reminder that the president could not be trusted. It seems, I think, perfectly apparent to me and anyone else who observes this president. <laughs> he... he He's impulsive. Um, he says things off the top of his head. He um, bears the impression of, like a couch, bears the impression of the last person who sat on him. And Coulter. Um, it's just whoever gave him the last piece of advice, he goes out and says it. I, I think I really agree with Dick. I think it'll happen. Thank you. Thank you. I hope we yes. gave you enough In an unusual move, cameras were rolling for nearly an hour on Tuesday. The president actually seemed open to comprehensive immigration reform. Just two days later, Senators Dick Durbin and Lindsey Graham were ready to deliver the deal Trump asked for. It included a future for DACA and Dreamers. It also included money for his wall. I mean, it really was what he'd asked for. Durbin let the White House know. Within minutes, the president calls back. What can I do for you, Senator? Well, Senator Green and I have a bill. He said, good. The president said he wanted to meet with the two senators that day. I found that incredible. I couldn't believe I could ever get in to see a president in short order like that. Miller had to move quickly. One of Miller's talents was spinning the president up. Michael Shear, New York Times. He was constantly handing him you know, statistics and numbers and papers and links to Breitbart, links to Fox News clips. Miller's allies in the right-wing media sounded the alarm. Does that include a wall, a real wall, not a seat? Um, no, they're all giggling that he's getting ruled. Talk radio turned up the volume. This is the only thing that Donald Trump can do to possibly derail himself. This is the end of the road for the Republican Party. All the right-wing media figures who championed Trump, so McKay Coppins, The Atlantic, are losing their minds because all of a sudden everything Trump said during the campaign seems like it's up for debate, that he's willing to trade him, trade all of his campaign promises away uh, as bartering chips. You shouldn't talk about immigration unless Stephen Miller is there to follow up. Senators Durbin and Graham arrived at the White House with their deal in hand. Author and reporter Julie Hirschfeld Davis. And while they're waiting in the West Wing lobby, all of a sudden the doors open and other people start coming in. Tom Cotton, very, very conservative. He has said publicly that, you know, the DREAM Act is a non-starter. David Perdue, same thing, he walks through the door. Then there's Bob Goodlatte, who's the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And then Stephen Miller walks in, and before they know it, they're all in the Oval Office uh, all together. It's really Miller who makes sure that the room is filled with immigration hardliners. DHS Immigration Services Director Ken Cuccinelli. They're there to, to represent a position that they feel strongly about, which is frankly much closer to President Trump's position. Senator Dick Durbin. Well, things went south in a hurry. Almost from his first word, you could tell that the president I spoke to two hours before and the one two days before who had invited us to come by uh, had changed dramatically. And now he was opposed to every part of it. And that's when a lot of the profanity started flying. Now, the president was already in an unhappy mood because he kept reviewing all this migrant data from Miller. And he just erupts. He erupts. It's gone from a chummy chat with the senators on camera 
It's gone from cordial rapport with Senator Feinstein to vulgarity in front of Senator Durbin and others. The vulgarity stunned the room. He essentially says, why do we want all these people from shithole countries? At which point, everyone kind of stops. Michelle Sindor. He doesn't want people from Haiti or from Africa, countries that he refers to as shithole countries. He says he wants people from Norway. And it's, it's impossible to ignore that the people he's talking about as as undesirable are people of color and black people. It's jaw-dropping as he went through this long litany of grievances he had against immigrants in this country, particularly those from what he referred to as shithole countries. And all the while, Stephen Miller, once again, standing at the perimeter of the room, listening to that comment, and uh, he knows that it's mission accomplished. He's done what he, he, he wanted to do. The immigration hardliners had won. There would be no DACA deal. The fate of the Dreamers would be in the hands of the courts. A week ago, Central Americans crossed from Guatemala into Mexico. 1,100 Central American immigrants Now, in the spring of 2018, from the Justice Department, Sessions and Miller would raise the ante. It was time to crack down on the border. Former DHS Secretary Jay Johnson. They wanted to send a deterrent message through a very dramatic way in the hope that they would scare these people off and have them stay in Central America. Sessions released this tough directive using the words zero tolerance. Chris Kobach. So Jeff Sessions is using the authority that was retained in the Attorney General's office, and he recognizes he's got a lot of levers that he can pull. He's got a lot of tools that he can use. Everyone who crosses the border would be prosecuted, even families with children. If you smuggle illegal aliens across our border, then we will prosecute you. If you are smuggling a child, then we will prosecute you. And that child may be separated from you as required by law. It became known as family separation. Like the travel ban and DACA, family separation quickly turned into a crisis as the images were released. Young children are pulled from the arms of their mothers. It ushers in a part of America and a history of America that people are going to look at for years to come as the defining moments of the Trump presidency. Former DHS official Leon Rodriguez. The children were separated from the adults with whom they arrived, and there wasn't meticulous association of those children with those adults. A border agent says, well, we have an orchestra here, right? What we're missing is a conductor. Years, the thing that I think broke America's heart. Former Congressman Luis Gutierrez. They didn't know what they were doing. They weren't even keeping tabs. 
on where these children and who their parents are and where their parents were at. That's what they did. All it's doing is showcasing unbelievable cruelty. The trauma of separating a child who doesn't know what's going on. But Stephen Miller insisted it was all part of the grand design. When I talked to Miller, he said that he believes any time the country is focused on immigration, the president is winning. McKay Coppins. So when you're at the border getting footage of crying children being ripped from the arms of their mothers, that would seem to most people like bad, a bad development for the president. To Stephen Miller, he thinks that this is just drawing the attention once again to the issue that we care about most, and, uh, and he sees that as a win. Anger over the Trump administration's policy of separating immigrant children from their families at now, the Now, Democratic border. lawmakers are voicing their anger over the families. The growing separation. outrage over families being separated at the border. The controversy quickly consumed Washington. Hey, everyone. We're headed towards the Department of Justice. The White House faces a growing backlash of anger. For weeks, the president and the White House were under assault. The White House is struggling to explain and defend a practice now. Miller wanted to stay the course. The president's own family were strongly on the other side. Every day, yesterday, 70 kids. Today, 70 kids. Once again, Trump capitulated. We're signing an executive order. I consider it to be a very important executive order. It's about keeping families together. Ivanka feels very strongly. My wife feels very strongly about it. Uh, I feel very strongly about it. I think uh, anybody with a heart would feel very strongly about it. We don't like to see families separated. This takes care of the problem. Thank you very much. I'm very disappointed in President Donald Trump. I think he's not getting the best advice on this. It's very disturbing. The insurgents had again lost control of what Bannon had called the imperfect instrument. But Trump signs an executive order for the 10 minutes it's going to survive. The U.S. Attorney General is stepping down, apparently at the request of President Trump. A few months Trump later, Jeff Sessions was finally out. Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General of the United States, has submitted his letter of resignation. Stephen Miller would be the only one of the original insurgents still on the inside. Julia Yaffe. Sessions didn't survive and Bannon didn't survive. But Miller, who is the ultimate survivor, has managed to outlast pretty much everyone. The ramifications are many. Miller is a talented bureaucratic infighter. Joshua Green. Miller understood that in order to survive and have influence with Donald Trump, you need to consistently display a fanatical degree of loyalty. And Miller has always been willing to do that, publicly and privately. Number of migrant families have arrived at the southern border in recent months. 144,000. That is the highest. The president had signaled he was scaling back zero tolerance, but there was an unintended consequence. The number of migrants increased. Migrant families surged after the Trump administration ended. The ending of the policy has a pretty pronounced effect on the numbers of people showing up. Julie Hirschfeld Davis. The word gets back to Central America that. Zero tolerance is not really zero tolerance anymore. That if you come with a child, in fact, you will not be separated from that child. 
On Fox, they called the caravans an invasion. It's not a caravan, it's an invasion. We have every right to be able to protect our borders. And at this hour... You know, what happens with the president on the caravans is he sees footage of them on Fox News. Jonathan Blitzer. And starts to fulminate against them, and it becomes to him this image of a border being overrun. 103,000 people were apprehended at the southern border last month. That includes... Robert Costa. The president grows angrier and angrier by the week as he continues to hear new numbers, new data about what's happening at the border. He can fly into fits of rage. Miller doesn't discourage this at all. For Miller, the crisis was an opportunity. It was election season, the 2018 midterms, and Trump was in campaign mode. So the president's going all out for the next few days, hosting 10 more rallies across the nation, focusing on illegal immigration. Miller knew what would fire up the crowds. We want our country to be a sanctuary for law-abiding Americans, not criminal aliens. We're not playing games. Because you look at what's marching up, that's an invasion. The president uses that to drum up his election push for the midterms and calls that election the election of the caravan. It was also the beginning of Trump's own re-election campaign. The, the closer we get to 2020, the more this president and his advisors are saying immigration is our fire. That's the fire we put in our torch to try to win in 2020. Determined not to lose his base, Trump was firmly back on the side of the insurgents. Now, Miller would call the shots. DHS immigration official Ken Cuccinelli. Stephen Miller is uh, the point person at the president's side on the immigration issue. He is a, a driving force in, uh, and he has an awful lot of knowledge that he brings to bear at the president's right hand. Miller pushed controversial executive actions. Is announcing a new regulation that will allow migrant families to cutting back on refugees. Trump administration changing the rules for migrants hoping to claim asylum in the United States. So the Trump administration's new plans to building the wall. Billions from the Pentagon, from the military, to build his border wall. It targets hundreds of thousands of legal immigrants. Slashing legal immigration. Administration issuing a regulation that would deny green cards for legal immigrants. White immigrants are not welcome. Initiating raids across the country. This is thousands of people nationwide are bracing now for ICE raids. President Trump's order to begin. Sweeps are expected to target about two. And igniting a firestorm. Kids might be left parentless in the process makes it all the more disturbing. Officials called it the biggest worksite immigration enforcement operation in this. Trump could close down our southern border. It had been six years since that dinner at the Breitbart Embassy. Zero tolerance had won the day. From the dinner we had, we brought border security up to the forefront. Right now, we actually are engaged as a nation, and I think in 2020, it's even going to be more of a centerpiece in the national debate, as it should be. Processions, Bannon, Miller, it was all part of the grand design. We are now debating all the topics on Donald Trump's turf, okay? That, in, the, in, the, in January 2013, that looked like a pipe dream. Today, that's the reality. Go to pbs.org slash frontline for Frontline's latest transparency project and explore the dozens of interviews in Zero Tolerance. 
And they said, oh, that's Stephen Miller. That's, that's, the, that's the one who brings the crazy. Why don't we say you're going to build a wall? Could be narcissism. They love me for me. So there's any doubt in your mind that this was divine providence that put us here. Connect to the Frontline community on Facebook and Twitter and watch anytime on the PBS video app or pbs.org slash frontline. Frontline is made possible by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. And by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Major support is provided by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. More information at macbound.org. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide at fordfoundation.org. Additional support is provided by the Abrams Foundation, committed to excellence in journalism. The Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The John and Helen Glessner Family Trust, supporting trustworthy journalism that informs and inspires. And by the Frontline Journalism Fund, with major support from John and Joanne Hagler, and additional support from Ku and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation. Zero Tolerance was directed by Michael Kirk, written by Michael Kirk and Mike Weiser, produced by Michael Kirk, Mike Weiser, and Philip Bennett, and produced and reported by Jim Gilmore and Gabriel Chandra. The managing editor of Frontline is Andrew Metz. The executive producer of Frontline is Rainey Aronson-Roth. To order Frontline's Zero Tolerance on DVD, visit Shop PBS or call 1-800-PLAY-PBS. This program is also available on Amazon Prime Video.